0: Hello and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I'll give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own world views. Today I would like to introduce you to Eric. He is on TikTok doing lots of fun, awesome, great things. He identifies as a trans man, and he's just here to talk about his life. So I'm super excited to hear all about him and what he has to share with us. So Eric, why don't you say hello and give us a little background about you?
1: Hello. Uh, You sound like a podcast host. (laughs) Thanks. So uh, A-plus on the podcast voice. I'll try to also sound official. Uh, No. So I'm Eric. Uh, Really excited that I got a DM from you randomly asking me about your podcast. Um, I started... I started making TikToks because I started my transition, uh, physical transition, that is in November. And that fall, I thought um, I wanted to document the progress, especially in the trans male community. Um, There's a lot of voice drops that happen with tea, physical facial features that change. And I thought video would be the perfect way to kind of encompass um, a little video diary. And they seemed quick. I'd been on TikTok since quarantine, uh, just watching videos. I never made one myself. But I really liked the platform and the engagement. So I did not expect as many people to follow me as follow me. Um and I had my first viral video within a few days of starting TikTok with something with the election. So um yeah, so I've just been making videos it's been about 5 months since I started testosterone and overwhelming support. Um I call it my TikTok family, but I'm up to like 38,000 people. And so it really does. I do know people through there. We do a lot of direct messaging. I'm very open to questions. I've hit a point in my life where I feel very comfortable answering questions that people are curious about, but probably shouldn't just ask a random stranger. Uh, Especially people are very curious in general, I think right now with the trans community and don't want to be offensive. So i kind of go in that middle space of if you're well-meaning and kind, I will answer questions, but don't ask this to other people if you don't know. So that's really what I've been doing, and it's been helping. I live by myself, so it's really been helping fend off some loneliness. I hang out with my friends on TikTok is what I say.
0: Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey, I'll call it, to coming out and starting testosterone?
1: Absolutely. So I always joke with coming out which time. Um, I am from a small town in central Pennsylvania, it's about 3,000 people, and I didn't even know gay people existed until Rosie O'Donnell came out uh, in fourth grade, and I had to get explained to me what a lesbian was by a classmate as we all decided, are we still allowed to like her? Is this bad? Is this good? What does this mean? Um, So my parents are both very open-minded, very liberal. It wasn't like we thought anything was wrong with gay people, but they just didn't really exist. Um... And so realizing that I had girl crushes was uh, Keira Knightley in Pirates of the Caribbean, which is a classic. And I see a lot of TikToks about actually. So the algorithm has figured out my gay route. But from there, the girl crush list grew. Um, I was actually, was very religious. I was president of Bible Club in high school and very much like a hippie Christian, um, very peace and love. Let's do communion in the woods. acoustic guitars but at the same time i had read the bible so i had a very big crisis of faith um, ended up coming out definitely a lesbian this is for sure who i am and then a couple years later boys were still really cute and i liked hooking up with them and i was like maybe that means i'm bi so i switched and then someone told me about what pansexual was a few years later so then i came out as pan um, and then in college i met my first uh, trans person in real life Besides like a character on the L word that was hated. So um, my experience with with trans people in media really also kept me in the closet for a while. Um, Boys Don't Cry, Lifetime movies, things where it didn't go well if you were trans. A lot of violence and sad endings. So when I started dating someone who I was picking up some signals and they wanted to go by Brad in the bedroom, I realized, oh, oh, is this an option? can I do this? And slowly but surely, um, started just going by, uh, the E for a while. It was just E was my name. Um, but I went, I went to Penn state and they have a pretty great gay community center. And, um, I I knew I was gender queer, but it seemed like a lot to be trans. It seemed hard. And I watched people lose family and friends and go through physical transitions. I wasn't sure about. And so I just decided I'll just be really, really butch. And, um, it still didn't feel right. So actually the 2016 election made me uh it made me feel like there was a need to be visible. If not for me, then for other people. because um, I know how important it is to for visibility. So I, you know, I was so nervous to come out as trans, even though I'd been living as a queer human for a decade. So for some reason it felt different. And it felt harder. And it's really it is different. We're in the same umbrella and the rainbow you know with alphabet mafia but the trans community faces very special challenges so uh finally you know there's a lot of things that kept me from starting t um things like fertility and do i want to make a baby and um th- you know physical changes a lot of them are irreversible so really making sure i was in the right mindset and i was ready for that step
0: and what was the process like coming to terms that you were ready for that step?
1: It was a uh, dark night of the soul on my front porch. I I had just been broken up with right before quarantine. And I lived with the ex then for four months in lockdown, which was really like a rom-com if I ever saw one. Um, but that realization of that was a relationship I, I thought was going to end in a marriage and kids. So... Realizing that I was now hitting reset on a timer of if that's something I want, um, I had joked about having a baby so I could go on tea because I just wanted—I knew I wanted kids, but I also wanted to start testosterone. So I'll just pop a baby out. So I was—I called it my baby for a beard. And realizing I didn't want to be a single parent right away, if that happened, okay. Um, I just thought I, I can't wait anymore. This maybe baby is—is is holding me back from. next thing that i want to do and it was hard i actually called my mom and we had a really big heart to heart um and it was also very hard because i love queer women and that community most of my friends are queer women i would go to queer women's meetings and groups and that's not my space anymore you know as a trans man there's a maleness to me and you know I, i do want to run in male circles too uh so i had this loophole for a while that then started to feel like I think I have to let go of being, you know, a gay woman. I can still be friends and I can still wear flannel, but this isn't my community anymore. This isn't my space and I need to respect women's spaces. So it was, it was hard. And also, um, like I said, just that decision to not carry a baby, you know, Um, it's pretty cool that women can make life. And I saw myself for so long as being a mom, even though I felt male. So realizing i wasn't going to be a mom uh and bear a kid i don't hear people talk about that a lot especially younger trans guys um i don't know that they think about fertility and family planning and stuff at you know 21 22 so i'm really glad though i i hit that point um and immediately the next day i talked to my i got a point with my pcp and talked about how do we get eggs frozen what does that look like so that was the next step
0: so then do you have eggs frozen
1: i do i have 13 eggs i named them and they're all in a freezer somewhere in minnesota <laughs> i was thinking about doing a actually a gofundme on tiktok where i let people name an egg if they donated a certain amount to recoup those funds um but no i i went through it was about a month long process a lot of um blood tests. I had to do subcutaneous injections in my stomach myself. So abdominal injections, about two a day with a lot of estrogen and fertility things. And I was a walking sack of hormones for a month. It was awful. I already hate uh, feeling female. And um, oh man, I was just crying left and right. I was a blubbering mess. But the staff was really wonderful. Um, I'm in Pittsburgh and I, I it was a wonderful fertility clinic. I was not the first trans man they had helped. They asked me about body language and pronouns and made it really comfortable for me. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty open to, so we had a good time. I could tell, um, uh, they, they were always really excited to see me and I was just like, Hey, I'm here. Yes. Please give me, uh, um, we would do ultrasounds, uh, up things and lots of just prodding and blood work and so you get to know each other but um i it was i had to go under anesthesia my parents came to be able to take me home and make sure i was okay for the next few days it was a surgery and none of it was covered by insurance so all out of pocket so Quite a few thousand dollars later, I do have eggs in a freezer.
0: But it sounds like it was a welcoming place to have the procedure done. And it helps you then in the future to have have that ability. Um, So that's really awesome. And what have your parents been like through everything? You know, you said that they're very open and and liberal and all of that. But what has it been like with them?
1: So I absolutely love my parents, uh, Phil and Margaret. They're wonderful, and yes, they're open-minded and liberal. It it took exposure and conversations, I think, to make it more comfortable for both of, for all of us. Uh, my dad and I don't do a lot of deep conversations. He's a very um, he's a very quiet man. He's sensitive. He's sweet. He's not an alpha male. He's more of a feminist than most. And, um, you know, he would take take me to Melissa Etheridge concerts and things. He was very. He's always loved the gay community, so. I think he just felt, okay, you're Eric now, and then move along. He was unfazed. My mom, she had a lot of fear. The first thing she saw was the statistics about, you know, trans suicide, trans depression, violence against trans people, especially trans women of color. Uh, A lot of my community is under attack, and now even legislatively, it's just, it's not getting better. So her thought was, I want you to be okay, and- Once she did some work on her end and some research and read her books and her websites. And we got to the place where she could ask questions. And she said, you know, it was a transition for her too. And the best thing I could give her was patience and understanding. I had been struggling with my gender identity for my whole life and not telling her. So I was so much further along and I had known trans people. I had experienced trans friendships and trans relationships and she hadn't. So this is why I really harp on media representation and diverse representation and stories told by people who've lived that experience. Um, So I think for her to be able to know I was going to be okay, see how happy I was, and she loves it now. She always wanted a boy. Uh, I have an older sister and that's it. So she always wanted a son and she's like, you always have been a mama's boy. So we never had the butting heads teenage daughter and mom thing, and she's like, "Wow, oh, it's really cool." We skipped that. I was like, oh, "Boy." Um, so she, I mean, I, I go home for holidays. We're very close, and she does. She takes me clothes shopping, and she has a blast with it. I'm still fun to go shopping with. I'm more of a gay son than anything else. So. Uh, it's a really great relationship, but it did take time. And we did have a few fights. We did have a few uncomfortable conversations. I had to advocate a little more. They kept slipping with pronouns. They kept using, they kept dead naming me. And the excuse was, well, you know, it's it's been hard. We've known you your whole life. And it's like, it's been a few years. It's time to, my cousin actually stood up for me. I guess they were talking and my mom was using uh, my old pronouns. And she's like, Margaret. It's been enough time. You, If you're not doing this in every conversation, you're going to mess up. So I have some good advocates who also helped behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm sure um, it, that is difficult. You know, you you know someone for so long and obviously like they're your literal, you're their literal child. Um, so yes. it's, you know, it, you are their life in theory. Um, but to have people advocate for you, to be able to advocate for yourself, it sounds like it was a, a really good situation. So now, do you still identify as pansexual?
1: I do, very much so. And what's been interesting, since starting testosterone in November, I've always been attracted to men, um, but I would say I was more on the, I dated mostly women, and then I'd get little boy crushes I think boys were cute and every once in a while, you know. but um Man, since the tea, I've been finding myself very, um, very boy hungry. I I can't date right now. I'm not vaccinated, and I'm trying to be responsible. I'm single and live by myself. But uh, once I get vaccinated, you know, and and look out. Um, I'm very excited to get to, you know, open up my dating app settings, and um, I, I was shocked. You know, the, the flirting I have done. I think I was assuming, especially gay men, would not be interested in a trans guy. I I just, I had experiences in college with boys I thought were cute who were like, oh, if you were just a boy or like, I wish you weren't. And I was like, I have, there's things we, you know, I, I'm here. I'm what I'm into you. You're into me. Why does it have to fit a mold? So I was expecting more of a pushback and I've gotten quite a lot of interest from uh, queer men. And it's not so black and white. Uh, sexuality is fluid. And even people who identify as gay are like, well, you're a boy though. You're, trans men are men. And it's it's not necessarily parts, but uh, other things are attracted to. So I'm excited. It was actually really validating to like be getting hit on by gay men. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. I am fabulous. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about Britney Spears. <laughs> so I fit a lot of different stereotype buckets and um it's fun. It's fun to be a super, you know, hetero dude with my trucker hat, you know, with women one day and then the next I'm in my Britney Spears t shirt with the boys. So <laughs> It's fluid, but very much pansexual.
0: Awesome. And you'll be able to get vaccinated here. And by the time this comes out, you'll probably actually already be eligible. So hopefully, fingers crossed soon. So
1: find me on TikTok. DM me. Slide on in. (laughs) Single and ready. Hot summer. Here we come.
0: Oh, gosh. So what has it been like with tea? (sighs)
1: Um. I had people warn me and I had my, I have a really great, um, my primary care physician has a lot of trans clients. Um, she didn't mean to specialize in it. She's just very aware and interested in trans medicine. And then people in the network knew that and would send her patients. So now she mostly deals with trans people. And so she told me very much what to expect. Um, everybody's different. That's the one thing. Puberty is different for everyone. That's how I would explain it. So timeline. You don't really know what to expect and when, um, but what I can say is for me over the last five months, pretty quickly, the voice drop started. Um, I also was a singer for a long time, not professionally, but you know, I did musicals in school and sing in the shower. So I already was using my lower register in speaking to try to pass before tea. So using, you know, training my voice and singing Phantom at the Opera really loud and doing, you know, exercises to work it helped it drop quicker too. Um, so I still use my lower range, but the voice drop happened pretty quickly. Um, Sweaty—I'm sweating right now. It's not warm, but I'm sweating. So, and not only am I sweating, but it smells. It's stinky. It's—I used to just have a normal smell, and I am a sweaty man now. So that's been new. The body odor, body hair—I've always—I've had hairy legs and hairy armpits for a long time. But the rest of me is getting hairy. Uh, I joke my happy trail is becoming a super highway. It's just all the body hair I already have is climbing up and over and out and getting darker. I love it. It's not no hair on my back. so. Um, but I definitely, you know, uh, getting a little furry. And facial hair is starting. I'm really anxious for my beard. I make a lot of beard TikToks. Um, my dad always had this really awesome beard. So I associate it with manhood. Um, and then emotionally, I pretty quickly got um, a little more ragey, I would say, and angsty. Um, when I'd be driving, the normal conversational road rage became, became pretty aggressive. Um, but other than that, the hot flashes are also happening because not only am I going through puberty, but as my T goes up, my estrogen is going down. Uh, my body's making less estrogen. And I actually haven't had a period uh, I missed one and I haven't had one I'm weeks late so I that might have been my last one so I'll be done with that soon so my body's going through changes for that too so it's mimicking menopause sounds like a lot so of fun you, I know
0: right so you know you're an old lady and a teenage boy all in one
1: in your body <laughs> and I am I am and um oh acne also it's my skin is changing. It's not just acne. It's thicker, more porous. Um, and then fat is redistributing. So my chest is getting smaller and uh, my hips have shrunk, which is cool. And I work out a lot anyway, and my muscle mass is growing faster. The gains are so much easier. I'm really mad at men, cis men right now. Because all those years I was trying to bulk up without male testosterone levels, um, I do a couple curls and there's a bump. It's just it's very unfair so
0: very unfair indeed so what because i really don't know like my knowledge of someone being on tea is like in their first year experience so what what's the long term that you have to go through
1: that's a great question um what's interesting about starting tea is while it mimics puberty it's different because it's not a slow ramp up so i'm getting high doses right away And it will then be a shorter puberty. So it's not going to take the full amount of time that it would take for a a preteen. Um, Within two to three years, most of the aesthetic goals I want will have happened. That's actually how my doctor asked me um, when we talked about me being trans. She said, what are your aesthetic goals? And I feel like that was a really great way to phrase it. Because not every trans person either wants to go on hormones or even wants to fully go through all maybe it's I want a little bit of a voice drop and then I'm done maybe it's I want to not have a period and then I'm done so every trans person is different I think it's really important to stress that anything I say is just for myself but um this level of tea that I'm on um within two three years I'll have kind of settled down and settled in and then from there it's maintenance so I won't have to take necessarily as much all the time um it will be a little lower, but it is, I do intramuscular injections. I choose to do them in my glute, which is right above my butt. And so I reach around and (laughs) do them back there, which is quite, quite, I do a lot of yoga for it. Uh, It's hard to reach, but then my thighs aren't hurting. So Um, I do them myself every other week. And it will pretty much be a lifetime thing. Uh, My body's never going to make tea in the same levels as a cis man, but um. From there, yeah, it's just it's just maintenance. It might change as I get older. Um, you know, That's why we, I go in for checkups every three months right now, and then we'll space them out. But she measures things like my blood T, um, my hormone-binding globulin, and also my heme because it will thicken my blood because it's messing with iron a little bit. So things to be aware of because there are health risks with testosterone, which is why it's best to do it with a doctor and be monitored. It's not just something you buy on the black market and go for And also you need syringes and needles. And anytime you do that, you want to make sure you're using, you know, clean stuff.
0: Right. Now, did you ever have a problem with the fact that
1: you have to inject yourself? Um, I had never injected myself until I did the fertility treatment. So weirdly enough, shooting myself up with estrogen helped it be easier for me to turn around a, a month later and start shooting me the other direction. So subcutaneous is a little easier. It was for me. It's it's in the stomach. The point of that is you're trying to get in the fat. Uh, intramuscular you're trying to get in the muscle, so you need a longer, thicker needle. And you wanna, yeah, you made a face for the podcasters who can't who can't see. I don't go too much into needle stuff on TikTok. It is not. It is it is a mental barrier. Uh, I know it doesn't hurt that badly. I know it's I what I want. I have to visualize the beard. That's what I do. I. I put on a white stripe song. It's the same song every time. It's my T song. It makes me feel really like manly and bad, badass. Can I swear? Um, makes me feel really manly and cool. And so I put the song on and I go through the same, you know, I measure where I need to put it, get the syringe ready. And I do have to psych myself up. I, I actually had to call my mom the first shot. I, I was having a hard time doing it. And I called her, She was a nurse, so she's really good. And she talked me through it and, you know, told me I'd do great. And, you know, um, just really gave me a pep talk. So it was really wonderful to be able to call my mom for a pep talk before my first T-shot.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, you know, you mentioned that freezing your eggs was not covered by insurance. Is anything covered for you?
1: So great question. Um. So right now, my testosterone is covered, so it's a little cheaper, and my syringes are a little cheaper. Um, this, I mean, syringes, I don't know, a couple bucks. And then the testosterone is no more than 20 for a vial, and the vial lasts me for a few months. So it's really affordable. Um, I don't know how much tea gel is. I don't know if you know about T gel, but for people who have problems with needles, they've developed a topical. Um, it's a topical treatment. So it's actually a gel with testosterone, and it's absorbed through the skin and so it'll be usually a daily rub and then you have to be careful with other people touching that area for a while because it is contact so you could you know if someone's giving you a cuddle you could be giving them testosterone um but it it has a little bit of a different timeline and it works a little differently and so my my pcp said for the changes i want it would be quickest to do injections but um so most of this stuff is covered and my pcp is covered however my current insurance top surgery would not be any surgeries would be considered elective. So I have looked at jobs on purpose that include trans medicine in their healthcare plans.
0: And is that something that's popular in Pittsburgh?
1: Uh, like trans procedures?
0: Or just it being covered on insurance is more what I was going for.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so what's cool about Pittsburgh is I don't know if you know this, but we have UPMC, which is the largest employer of Western Pennsylvania. It's a really big um medical research facility and things like that through the University of Pittsburgh. And we all we have a lot of hospitals in Western Pennsylvania. So we have a lot of specialists that people come here out of state for. So the medical community here is really good. In terms of employment, the city of Pittsburgh actually does cover trans medicine and top surgery and things like that for their employers. They just passed that. Um, And we do have Uber and Google and some more companies that are like Amazon, where they will cover things. Um, So everybody's individual. The last job I did have would have covered it. Um, So it's something that I look for. And the more that people ask for it and look for it, even if they're just allies saying, well, do you cover this? Do you cover that? Employers want to offer that if it means they're going to get the hire. So
0: yeah, Definitely.
1: It it is sad to me to see so many GoFundMes for just life-saving things that trans people need for dysphoria. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, I know there's a lot of things, you know, you're not supposed to ask someone um, in the trans community, but you uh, have very much claimed that you're an open book and you're willing to talk about things. So are you looking to get surgeries done?
1: I love to rephrase that. Yes. Um, I am an open book, and I do welcome questions because I'm comfortable with them, and I'm at a place in my transition where they don't bother me, and I want to speak up so I can satisfy curiosities for people and help them maybe get to know someone trans if they don't have someone in their life already. Uh, so, in terms of surgeries, bottom surgery is something I probably never will pursue. Um, this is an area where uh, female to male versus male to female, it is you know a little easier for uh, male to female to get something. That is, you know, uh, aesthetically pleasing and functional versus female to male. Uh, bottom surgery has come a long way. I don't want to scare people off who are interested. Uh, do some Googling. Do some research. But it is very invasive. It's very expensive. And uh, my junk works just fine. It's not what I wanted to be born with. I, I very much crave a cis male body. My um, dysphoria would, would, would do wonders to be endowed. Uh, but I'm not. And I know how to, you know, how, how, to, how to make it work. So um, bottom, bottom is out. Um, the only thing that I would, that is helpful is there's things called packers that you can use for uh, peeing in public bathrooms. You can actually pee standing up through them. And that is one thing now that the pandemic's lightening up and I'm going to be able to be outside the house more. I am probably going to get that because going having to wait for a stall in a men's bathroom is so awkward when you just have to pee. So being able to pee standing up would be pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Um, Top surgery. I was just thinking about this today because I, I was out of the house. And so I had my binder on and binders make it, it's restrictive. It's hard to breathe, really flattens your chest. I use ones that are pretty minimal in, you know, anything that could be, you know, damaging, but you are supposed to only wear them eight to 10 hours. And it gives me back pain. It gives me neck pain. doesn't feel good. So And with the summer coming, you know, ruin the grass, I'm gardening, wouldn't it be great to be shirtless? So I'm more of the idea that everyone should be able to be shirtless or no one should be able to be shirtless. I hate double standards. And I think that uh, bodies are beautiful and I'm very much in the free the nipple group. So I've done some protests actually about that uh, outside of pools and things. So I'm a little bit of an activist when it comes to the movement, but Top surgery is something I would want down the road. Uh not yet. Not yet. Uh there I don't I can recognize I like the way my body looks objectively. I don't want it to be mine, but it's nice. It's nice. I look nice. And people that see my and people seem to enjoy what I am offering physically. So until until it becomes really like I can't do it anymore, I'm just gonna hold off because it's expensive, it hurts recovery time and uh i still have a little bit of an attachment you know mm-hmm. to my body they're pretty cute
0: so go. now you you talked a little bit um you were in a relationship before that you thought you know was going to be more long term didn't happen you're excited to date yes what are you worried about dating as a trans man
1: this is a great question um It is something I'm worrying a little less about. So my last serious, I mean, the the serious relationship that ended before COVID was the first person I had dated as Eric after my name change. And the first time I'd done online dating, I typically would meet people in real life, friend of a friend, a barista, hit it off and, you know, catch them up on my stuff later. But I knew they were into me. This was the first time I made a profile and thought, are are people even going to, be interested in dating someone trans because it felt to me like a burden right this whole thing you have to deal with and that relationship she really was just oh great you're cute that's all i care about and um i have a tendency to date people who are bi or pansexual and more of a spectrum anyway um and it just seems like it's kind of freeing there's no roles then and i don't have to worry that i'm not man enough because they're into whatever so i'm whatever this time around um I've thought about, you know, making a dating profile in a little bit. Um, it's exciting. It's a little scary, but my my way around that is I very clearly state FTM trans man, like top headline, bold flashing. Um, the more that I pass, this is something I'll, ha- I'll have to out myself more. Um, the more that I come off as passing is coming off as male. I don't know if people know. The more that people see me and think cis male, the more I'll have to be like, actually. Yes, male, but we have to talk. Um, And I won't be offended if someone's not interested, but I want them to know ahead of time and reject me without me knowing. You know, I want it to be a silent swipe left, not like we've gotten to talking and then they say, never mind. Um, If someone's not, you know, willing to take it on, okay. You know, uh, families can be weird. If they haven't dated in the gay community before, you know, it, it can be a lot of newness. I don't really feel like educating a partner either, to be honest. Like I do a lot of educating on, you know, my videos and try to be an advocate. So having someone who knows some things is nice. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I've had really good relationships with really cool people. So uh, like I said, I'd ra- if people are not into it, just pass me by. But don't be afraid to date someone trans just because you don't know what to say or might mess up. Um, Most of us are really excited to be swiped on and interacted with and want to date and want to get, you know, get things moving. And um, like I said, I, if someone messes something up or I feel uncomfortable, I'll just tell them Mm -hmm. I I don't get offended easily.
0: That's, that's a really great outlook. Now you have a self-proclaimed baby face, uh, <laughs> are, do you have issues with people thinking you are much younger than you are?
1: So it's not an issue so much now. I am, I'll be 32 in May, May 11th. I'm a Taurus uh, with a Leo moon and a Sag rising for anybody who's interested. Yes, I am an astrology gay. Um, I do a lot of people when I age myself in videos say they think I'm early twenties. Um I think that you know, there's a boyishness to, you know, feminine features that are starting to man out a little bit. Um, but I've old people have always thought I'm younger and both of my parents age phenomenally. So I have gray hair. You just can't see it on video. So maybe like if my beard comes in and more of my gray pops out, people will stop thinking I'm in college. But so far, it's kind of fun. Um, you know, if age is whatever, you know. But it's kind of fun when I get to tell people actually, actually, no, I was born in the eighties. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a baby, but it'll, it'll come in handy as Mm -hmm, I get older. Definitely.
0: Yes. I, I always get told like, well, be glad they still think you're in college. And I'm like, but I'm not. Thank you.
1: I think, and this is an issue that, um, I think it has a lot to do with how society views, I mean, men and women, right. It's, you know, women don't get respect typically until they hit a certain age Mm -hmm. And because now they're not seen as, you know, sexual objects or romantic leads, which is also ridiculous to me. Um, whereas, you know, men get respect from 18 on or whatever. So I think it's also just a sexism mm-hmm. thing.
0: Yeah, probably. You know?
1: <laughs> I do. Probably.
0: Now, is there anything that this is probably going to be weird, but because you're just talking about sexism, um, is there anything that you miss from being a woman?
1: Um, absolutely. I joke about writing memoirs and books because, um, I've gotten to live life on both sides. Um, and as I pass more as male, I'll have more anecdotes. I'm sure. Um, even little things like someone today was near me in Ikea and almost right. I almost ran into them and she apologized to me and I've gotten that more. i get more apologies. I get more excuse me's and people clear the way and clear the path. And I'm like, no, I'm not a, don't do that. Um, what do I miss? I miss a lot about being a woman, to be honest, in terms of community. Uh, like I said, uh, especially queer women. Um, it's just it's such a beautiful, wonderful. I think women are better and probably anti-male, if anything, which is really frustrating for me. And that helps me know this was not a choice. Who would choose to be a guy? You know? Um, but in all honesty, I mean, I just I I really think um just communication compassion understanding the love of a, especially women as a collective and that strength and um it was really fun to be a hot girl that was something uh that I talked about I was talking about with my mom while I was home we were talking about back when I I had long blonde hair and I would you know wear low-cut stuff and heels even you know and was this super blonde femme queer woman for a while and I loved getting like attention and looks and whistles, and people gave you free stuff and were nice to you because, you know, that was what they value. If you're a beautiful woman, I value you. So I, I played the game. Um, I played the game pretty well, and it was fun. It was fun to turn heads, but for not great feminist reasons. Yeah. So I think um, I was too young to realize I shouldn't be proud of people wolf whistling at me. You know, and cat calling me. I was like, wow, thank you so much. You're so kind. But I think a lot has also just changed in 15 oh, years, right? In general.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah.
1: But there is, there's something too about two women together that I just think is so like, oh, fuck the patriarchy. We don't need men. And I love it. And I loved being a part of that and pissing off guys with like, you're not needed. So I'm working through, I've, I've had to get more guy friends and more men in my life that I think are great and, and respect and trust. Like, they're not all bad. You don't have to be one of the bad right. ones. Now, there is
0: a bit of a, I don't know if I want to call it an attack on the cis white male. So how yes. how has it been being a,
1: a white male? I made a TikTok about this and it got over a million views. So it's currently my highest whatever TikTok. Um, it's about realizing that being trans makes me a white male, white man, and being like just no and running away from it. Um, I still kind of attack white men, myself included. If someone says men suck, I'm like, we do. I own it. I, I don't protest. And I don't do, but I'm not, not all men. And I'm not, I think um, until the scales tip a little, get used, they need to get used to some oppression. And uh, some people judging you and not liking you before they even know you. Welcome. Welcome to this side of community. Welcome to this side of the world. Um, I don't know. I I think it's like hating the Patriots in sports. You know, they've been on the top for so long. It's just nice to see them lose. And everybody comes together to do it. And Patriots fans get mad. And I'm like, but you've gotten to win so much. And um, as long as it's not violent or actually, you know, like losing jobs that they didn't deserve anyway let's just point that out so i'm i'm all for let's tip the balance a little bit let's bring back the matriarchy and um get get used to not being on top because equality isn't now you're on the bottom but until you get used to getting pulled down a little bit yeah take a joke it's just funny why are you being so sensitive you know so that's my opinion i i they get such in such a Mm -hmm. tuffle they're so sensitive
0: (laughs) So what else would you like to share about your life, about your transition, the trans community community open book?
1: I think I would love to see more people talking to trans people about their experience. Um, We are still such a small percentage of the population, and there's not a ton of representation. And I know for me, the negative representation that I saw was very harmful and very damaging, especially for a kid who didn't grow up around any of it. So I would love to just be, you know, the next member of Queer Eye and be an advocate and talking head and just talk about being trans for a living. That would be great. So whoever, you know, hook me up. Um, but, but in all seriousness, I think recognizing that there's no wrong way to be trans and just because someone identifies as non-binary or trans does not mean XYZ and to respect privacy, um, you know, just because it has to do maybe with a physical body doesn't mean you start asking questions about a physical body if you don't know the person. Um, and also just recognize pronouns really matter. And I love this example, but if you misgender someone's dog or cat, you apologize and fix it and that's it. Like I have a kitten. And if someone said, like, oh, what's her name? I say, Oh, he's a boy, his name's Tucker. Oh, great, Tucker, he's so cute. That's it. And then you respect it and you call that you know, animal by their name and pronouns. That's the same thing. Just, um, and if you have a hard, if you know somebody who's transitioning and you're having a hard time, get together with a mutual friend and practice. Talk about them, have a conversation, get coffee and work on it. Um, And then don't make trans people apologize if you mess up and, you know, be like, I'm so sorry and like, blah, blah, blah. And I have to feel awkward. Um, But in general, trans people are just people who, Everyone is born and assigned a default. You're assigned a default sexuality and you're assigned a default gender. And no one asks you. And no one explains it to you, typically, unless you grow up with a really cool, crunchy granola family. Um, And at some point, you know, hopefully, you know, you figure out that the default was right or wrong. And if it's wrong, it's very confusing and there's not a lot of guidance. So just recognize there's a lot of things that aren't default about people. Gender, sexuality, neurodiversity, so much. Um, So, yeah, just, uh, you know, do some educating on your own side. Don't make trans people be the educators because it can be very exhausting. I like doing it, but there's books, you know, there's podcasts.
0: Yeah, I love I love that bit of advice. And it made me think um, back to something you said very early on and that you were very religious, um, you know, head of head of Bible club. So, (laughs) so with every transition you've gone through, every, you know, coming out, what happened with your religion?
1: It's a great question. Um, I, I mean, I had a few dark years. I really struggled in high school and I went to culinary school and then college later. But so culinary school was quite a mess. Um, I got into a lot of substance abuse. I haven't talked about that on TikTok, Um, but I'm sober now. So that's good. Uh, but I sought things to try to help me deal with the distance I felt between me and a higher power that was so crucial. I had a great relationship with the higher power of my understanding. Um, at that time, I called it God, and I had a set of rules given to me in a book that made sense. The gay thing really threw a wrench. And the loving, wonderful God I knew, why would they be mad at me for being loving and wonderful to another human, regardless of boobs? Um So, I tried to pray away the gay. I did a lot of self hate. Um, I tried to repress it. It came out sideways and backwards and upside down. Um, And then I went through a screw this, I'm just going to live my life. And if this is a sin, then I'll just do a bunch of sins because, you know, if I'm already going there, I might as (laughs) well have a good time. And that didn't make me feel any better. And I missed it. I missed that closeness of something spiritual. I missed feeling connected. And honestly, having a friend to talk to that lived around in the whatevers. Um, So I missed having a spirituality and my, the church was not accepting that I'd been going to. So I stopped going and I found my own way to be okay, being a gay Christian. And then eventually uh, the Christianity thing unraveled for other reasons. It had nothing to do with my sexuality. It just had to do with, you know, taking some classes in college about the Bible and, and getting to a different place. So um, now I I describe myself very spiritual person. I have a bunch of crystals over here and my incense and it's more of like the occult type of spirituality, which I love. Um, I say my God lives in the woods. It's, it's just a sense of love, a sense of kinship. When my cat takes a nap on my chest and purrs, um, you know, the warmth of a cup of coffee and a hug. It's, it's something to ask, ask for help. And, uh, And it's something very big and confusing and beautiful. And I don't really question it. So I'm spiritual now. And I understand it was the same thing as when I was five. It just looks a little different. Yeah. And I do hate seeing uh, queer LGBTQ plus people get rejected from faith. Uh, Religion can be so grounding if it's accepting and loving. And it can make sense for a lot of people. And I really It really hurts because I was that kid who needed a community so desperately and got rejected from it. And then the queer community opened their arms and did all the things that the church claimed they had would do if I was straight. So um, we find each other and make our own kind of churches, but could go on a long talk about religion and, you know, queerness. Yeah.
0: Yes. And I appreciate you uh, sharing that here. Now, before I wrap it up with all of my guests, I ask a random question at the end. So my question for you, you know, you just got a new kitten is if Tucker, the kitten, could talk, what would he be telling you? Right now? That at any point in the time he's spent with you.
1: <sighs> Tucker would be telling me how much he loves me, how excited he is that I'm his dad. How he's very confused that his brothers and sisters and mom and dad are gone, but how he feels really happy here. And he's really excited to go on a lot of adventures with me. He has his own little hiking backpack. He gardens with me every day. I have a fenced-in garden so he can come out and weed and plant seeds. And he goes on car trips and he just sits on my lap and climbs on my shoulder. So he's excited to see the world. He would tell me, when you're around, I feel safe. And he would say, thank you. And that he's hungry and wants more food.
0: all right that brings this episode to a close i will be leaving all of eric's social media handles in the description he is erasing the a just about everywhere but those links will be there in the description and of course the podcast website and emails in the description as well so if you want to connect with us on any of the social medias all of that is on the website and if you'd like to guest on the podcast i would love to have you and hear your story And of course, if you would like to support the podcast monetarily, we are on Patreon. Thank you, Eric, so much for spending time with me today. I've loved hearing all of your stories and getting to know you and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next week. Bye.
1: See you guys. Can't wait to meet you on TikTok.